You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? I am the law. Throw down your earpieces. Your violation of segment code 4642. Illegal use of internet bandwidth. How do you please? All the men and boys love listening to fan halls and parties of pop culture podcasts made for fans and fans. I knew you'd say that. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another exciting and thrilling episode of the podcast Fan Holes. We tonight are going to be talking about two different Marvel properties. Some of the guys were pretty much interested in talking about some more current events and also publishing them a little bit early. So just just as a heads up to people uh, from this point on, you know, not that you're that interested in the inner workings of Fanhole's podcast and how it all comes to be, but uh, from now on, uh, the the production order and air date order may be a little out of skew when you're listening to this. So you may hear some awesome things that were from like you know five months ago, and you may hear some awesome things that are from, like, right now. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like we're doing the whole uh, Salt Monster episode airs first before the Gary Mitchell funny sweaters pilot. If, if, any, if anyone has been following IDW's Transformer comics, which I know many of our listeners do, this is going to be, like, the version of Robots in Disguise number 10, which just came out the other week, and that <laughs> stuff is going to be all out of sync and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, so so it'll be it'll be like that kind of stuff. But uh, tonight, what we're going to start out talking about is we're we're kind of going someplace cold a little bit. Not all of us, but some of us may be going someplace cold with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. We wanted to kind of talk about the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show. This isn't the comic book, but the uh, the animated series that's uh, airing on Disney XD right now. And, uh, you know, some of us had some stuff to get off our chest, whether it's in defense of the show or whether it's in mad, mad, furious rage over the show. And so uh, we, we're going to talk about that. And uh, also, uh, in terms of current events, uh, you know, a lot of us just wanted to uh, shoot the shit about Marvel now, which is kind of like Marvel's response to the whole New 52 epidemic or, uh, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it that, that DC has uh, been doing for the last year now. And kind of in response to that, you know, the financial success to that and the fact that, you know, DC titles are constantly in the top 10 now, you know, with the exception of Avengers versus X-Men, you know, I guess Marvel has to kind of go with the flow, um, you know, 
financially speaking and kind of come up with their own initiative, which is Marvel Now. And so we're, we're kind of going to discuss some of the preview material that we've seen so far. And also, you know, as of this recording, the first release from the whole Marvel Now banner has just come out and it's Uncanny Avengers number one. So uh, we kind of want to all discuss, you know, we've all read that first issue and I'm sure we'll all have, you know, different takes and opinions on it. But uh, just just so you know, you know, I'm Derek, Derek WC. I'll be doing uh, the hosting duties tonight. And then uh, joining me tonight are two other fan holes. Why don't you sound off, guys? Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. This is Justin Grimlock. Yeah, so uh, I guess someplace cold. Here we go. Or, or you know, maybe maybe uh, we'll have some defenders of the realm here to uh, speak up for uh, for Ultimate Spider-Man. I want to shield train you to be a better Spider-Man, the Ultimate Spider-Man. And how ultimate is ultimate? So, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much wrapping up its its first season as we speak. I guess as of this recording, there's been uh, 23 episodes so far. You know, it's it's from uh, you know various different creators. I guess. At the forefront, you've got guys like, you know, Brian Michael Bendis and Paul Dini. And, uh, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, I kind of want to boo these guys, even though I like Joe Kelly and Joe Casey a bit, especially on, like, the Superman comics. But you get these guys that that go by the nomiker Man of Action, which I guess is made up of uh, Stephen T. Seagal and Joe Kelly, Joe Casey, and this guy Duncan... uh, uh, I can't even say it. Rolou, Rolou, Rolou. But um, yeah, so uh, basically, uh, my my take on it is, uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. What 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 do you do? You guys have anything to say about Ultimate Spider-Man? It just seems like this juvenile ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder kind of hyperactive show, and I don't know how much it has to do with Spider-Man. I mean, what do you what do you guys think? I mean, the, the basic premise of the show is that. Spider-Man is not well trained enough, so he's going to be trained by Nick Fury and Shield, and he he's brought together with a group of uh, uh, other young superheroes, which are basically, I, I guess, in the six one six Marvel universe, they're all adult heroes, but most of these, you know, guys have been kiddified, you know, turned into young, uh, young budding teen versions of themselves, and they all, you know, supposedly require that same you know, attentive training and, uh, you know, grooming so that they can one day become mature. But as of, you know, these shows, they're all kind of whacked out, immature, crazy people, I guess. (laughs) Look, you guys are cool and all in your own special ways, I guess. But Spider-Man does Fury's supergroup thing out there. In here, it's my time, my rules. You know, words are coming out of your mouth, but I stopped caring. Like yesterday. You know, I don't know. That's kind of my my personal take on it. But, I mean, what about you guys? What about you, Justin? I know I know you kind of have a different take on the show from us. Like, you kind of maybe think it harkens back to, you know, good old fun and people kind of just having a wild, crazy time in a superhero universe. I don't want to speak for you. Like, what, what's yeah, your um, take on it? You know, it, it seems like when we started seeing, like, uh, previews for it, it was going to be kind of like the Spider-Man version of Batman Brave and the Bold, which it, it does kind of have that feel to it. There are a lot of, like, nods to other continuity, like, you know, we had, like, a musical episode recently that was kind of like Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the musical. I will save you all by crawling up your wall and spinning, spinning you a web that will not 
Spider-Man! I'm Spider-Am! I'm Spider-Man! You know, we have other references, like there was a Spider-Ham episode, which I thought that episode was really good and a lot of fun. And then you have other, like, callbacks to different other things. Like, you had, like, a sequence where you saw the superhero squad, and, you know, it was animated like that series. Like, I kind of, you know, I applaud them for doing stuff like that. But kind of like you say, it is like it's a little too, you know, it's for people who need to, like, take their medication and then need to calm down because it's all over the place. I mean, the show does have its problems. Like, I'm kind of like, you know, we've talked about this before a little bit. Spider-Man doesn't seem to ever learn the moral of the story, and he he needs to stop talking to the audience. Like, that's probably the biggest thing. That's probably my biggest pet peeve of the show is, like, he needs to stop talking to the audience. Okay, quick status update from Midtown High. Of course you know me, Peter Parker, a.k.a. the spectacular web ball of incredibleness known as Spider-Man. It's weird. I'm, I'm kind of torn about, like, because for me, like, you think I would be the kind of person growing up with, like, Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell that supposedly talking to the audience and breaking the fourth wall, like, I would always love that no matter what. And And I kind of dig it in certain arenas like, you know, the aforementioned Zach Morris or even something like Ferris Bueller or whatever, you know, and it really works for those, you know, films, TV shows, whatever. But, you know, in this case, I can see why people are not, I don't know, it it, it, it just seems too juvenile for, for this kind of stuff. I mean, I know, you know, people are saying, oh, it's supposed to be for kids and it's not for you or you know, whatever the kind of counter-argument might be, but uh, I, I agree with you that he doesn't learn anything. Like, to, to get off my chest, like, the, the episode I think that pissed me off the most is, uh, it, it was supposed to be like a nod to, to James Bond stuff with Nick Fury, but it was called For Your Eye Only, I think, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, Nick Fury and his evil brother Scorpio and all this other stuff, but... You know, just, you know, I guess spoilers, you know, and, and I guess if anybody's listening to this and we're going to go into Marvel now, just so you know, I mean, there, there's plenty of spoilers for Avengers versus X-Men in uh, Uncanny Avengers number one. So when we start talking about that, you know, if, if you're uh, concerned about, uh, you know, reading things in chronological order, you know, that may go to the wind or so to speak, you know, so you may want to, you know, tune out or, or wait for the trade and not listen to this until then or whatever. But, uh, you know, the, the for your eye only, it's just, he doesn't learn anything. And <laughs> Spider-Man's whole thing is about having, you know, it's like he learns the lesson, like Uncle Ben dies, right? And he learns, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And in this episode, he thinks, like, if you go by you know, the limited interaction and the limited setup that, that this show provides you, Nick Fury is serving as almost a replacement mentor father figure for Spider-Man, even though he does not listen to anything the fucking man says. <laughs> and, and, it, and it starts out with him thinking this mentor figure is dead. And, and you can't help but think of Uncle Ben and great power and great responsibility and all this stuff. And in the meantime... They do all their crazy hijinks, and stuff happens, and, you know, uh, I think Brian Michael Bendis actually wrote that episode, and he's trying to crack jokes about, hey, I needed to vent, and I'm stuck in an air vent, and I'm so clever, and all this other shit, and I'm making Scorpio guys dance like puppets, but in the meantime, 
at the end of the day, it's like they have a little heart-to-heart, and he's kind of saying, like, oh, well, you know, you've really, you know, helped me learn and understand, and, and maybe one day I will be an Ultimate Spider-Man, and boy, you are a good super spy, and maybe I should start listening to you now. And then all of a sudden, you know, it goes, back, you know, instant reset button. But not today, because I don't want to listen to you, because I got ADD, and we got to go pew, 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 <laughs> and all this other shit, and he just fucking webs away, or whatever the fuck he does. And it's like, it, you know, it, it just, all these episodes, like, you know, instant reset button where he just doesn't learn anything, and he's just kind of... I, I don't know, it just seems like all the responsibility, like like that kind of, uh, you know... I, I don't know what to call it, whether it's, you know, a, a, a group of kids that, like... I don't know if it's it's lack of responsibility or, or entitlement or people being juvenile or ADD or whatever it is, but it's kind of like... You know, even Aunt May, like, the whole, you know, I, I know it gets kind of like a, a old tired violin and stuff like that, and you want to be like, you know, let the old bag die and not, <laughs> you know, throw away the, the guy's marriage and all this other stuff in the comics, but, you know, the, the whole point of Aunt May being sickly and deathly ill and, you know, she's going to have a heart attack any fucking five minutes if he walks in the door and is wearing his Spider-Man mask. Like, the whole point of that is supposed to be a heavy burden on Peter Parker. You know, he has to kind of take the role of his uncle. He has to take the role of an adult. He's got to step up to the plate, like all these things. But in this show, you know, Aunt May's like this swinging 20s chick, even though she's like fucking 60 or whatever the fuck. But it's supposed to be like, hey, we're not ageist. You know, uh, Aunt May can still do a bunch of cool shit like hang glide, even at 60, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, great, like, applaud you and pat yourself on the back because you're not an ageist, but in the meantime, Spider-Man has absolutely no responsibility whatsoever, and, you know, and, and then and then meanwhile, it's got all the typical pet peeves of, like, hey, uh, you know, uh, gee, I wish I listened to my spider sense before I walked into this room of armed guards, you know, and stupid shit where people just don't understand his powers, and, you know, why the fuck does he need a web cannon? He's got fucking web shooters, like, who cares? Like, there's different settings on web shooters. He doesn't need a fucking cannon, you know? <laughs> like, he doesn't need a spider cycle, like, all this other dumb shit. But anyway, you know, I don't know. The show <laughs> usually pisses me off when I watch it, so... You know, but I, I don't know. What about you, Mike? Say say something uh, good or bad or nice or whatever, but just so I'm not, you know, bitching about this show all night. <laughs> I don't know how I can top that, but yeah, it's it's basically you know it's like Spider-Man without any of the substance. Basically, it's just you know it's everything you know cool about having his powers or anything, but none of like you know the sort of, like, richness that made him a good character to begin with, you know? Basically, I don't know, it's like it, it's it's kind of like, I, I kind of see it as, like, almost, like, family guy-esque, like, light, like, without any of the adult humor or anything. It's just kind of yeah, random. I mean, it, it is described in a lot of different reviews. Like, they do make that reference to uh, a family guy sense of humor, or at least the the... Scatterific jokes, I guess, or however you want to. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Well, and in whatever case, um, yeah, um, like I don't know, and it, I don't know what it is, but like none of the characters on the show are likable. Like I, I can't, like I, there's what no about one I Sam? can. Yeah, right, Sam. Okay. You know what? That's what's so like. 
okay, like I, 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 I may even get into trouble here for this, but it's like that character, okay? He's not Richard Ryder, okay? And it's not a case of like I'm a dirty, stupid, nasty fanboy who can't get over the fact that this Nova is not my Nova, but the care and and. Okay, look, I, I don't get it, dude. The character is based on Jeff Loeb's dead fucking son, okay? And it's really, really strange because that character is a fucking dick asshole. <laughs> like, I don't get it, man. Like, if you want your son to be remembered in perpetuity, like, that was not the character to do it with, man. Like, I don't know. I read some of the comics where he seems like kind of a stand-up guy, and he was, like, trying to fight the Phoenix and stuff, and that might have been a little better. But here, it's like he's the... the he wanted to be the leader of the team. If Fury thinks I'm going to lead that lame in battle... In your dreams, you're the team leader. And he, you know... It's just a dick face, like kind of like how they would like you to think of Cyclops in like the X-Men film franchise and some of the cartoons where Wolverine's always punching him in the balls or whatever he's doing, you know, like that, that he, he thinks he deserves to be the leader, but in actuality he's a dick and Spider-Man is the one who should really be in charge of the team. And yeah, he just kind of comes off as like, uh, you know, a- almost like a superhero Flash Thompson in a way. You know, like that you you expect Nova to pants Spider-Man like in a in a like a frat joke, like he would constantly haze uh, Spider-Man in this this group of heroes or whatever. And then and then even the the premise of the show is that Spider-Man should be working with these four other kids. But in the pilot episode, it seems like he convinces himself that he shouldn't be and when he does that, like, that made a lot more sense to me what Paul Dini wrote than his rationalization of him changing his mind at, like, the eighth hour and going, no, 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 all that stuff I said that was logical and made sense about why I shouldn't be working with these people and, you know, why I should, you know, uh, you know be on my own as a solo hero. Like, I'm going to throw all that out the window, go back to S.H.I.E.L.D., and team up with these, like, four other people who I don't have anything in common with and who we can't really work as a team very well, but we just happen to all, you know, quote-unquote, go to college together. You know, we go to S.H.I.E.L.D. college together and try to make the best of it. It's a mandatory team-building exercise. Mandatory, White Tiger? I've got a better idea. Uh, is it just me, or do you get the feeling this is going to end badly? Like, what, what do you think about, like, the... Uh, the extra characters, Justin, like the the kind of you know the the kitty versions of you know you got Power Man and Iron Fist and White Tiger and you you got Nova who we were just kind of discussing so and all the angry hate mail about I love Jeff Loeb and you're a dick for mentioning his son like send it to fanholspodcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they even need those supporting characters. I mean, there's several episodes where they don't show Yeah, where up. they're not even there, yeah. And then there's situations where, like, there's a, an episode where Pete's talking to Luke Cage, and Luke Cage is like, dude, what about our science project? And he's like, busy, I'm fighting the juggernaut. I'm like, oh, okay, well, why didn't why didn't he call them to help him with the juggernaut instead of, like, Luke Cage complaining, like, oh, dude, you got to fight the juggernaut? Where's our science project? I'm like, why didn't you come Why him? wasn't Luke Cage doing the science project? Too? Yeah, that's, that's what I don't get. Like, Spider-Man's supposed to be, like, smart and a science whiz, right? Like, but 
then it goes back to the irresponsibility thing, because he's like, dude, I'm totally smart, Luke Cage. I can do this science project in two minutes. And then he's like, oh, but I really can't. So I stole some fucking uh, mad thinker goo from the S.H.I.E.L.D. lab. It's like, why would fucking Spider-Man ever do that? It's so irresponsible. Like yeah. it's, it's like when Spider Man, it's like when he like faked all those pictures and stuff. Like he, Spider Peter Parker wouldn't do that. Like I don't yeah, stuff like that. I don't get. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, that, I mean, I, it, it, that seems to go at odds with the core of of who Spider Man's at least the way it's set up. You know, in the original Stanley Steve Ditko story, it seems to go against the core of what that's supposed to be, and it's usually going against that for like some kind of joke setup. You know, it's like it's like, oh look, I was totally funny there. Dwip, dwip, dwip. Like you know, like you know, oh look, chaos at the science fair, and we pulled off like Coulson's shirt, and he's naked now. Isn't this funny? You know, or whatever the fuck happens. You know, it's like some kind of random wacky stuff that goes down. This is the part where I do something responsible. Doom might actually be a big deal. I should be the bigger man and call it off. Ah! And maybe next life. I was going to say, I thought that was really bizarre when, like, Awesome Andy, you know, the Awesome Android was, like, spitting out people and they were naked, like, Coulson. I'm like, well, that's a little, that's a little too much for me, like, you know, even the implied naked Coulson. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say on on the uh, supporting cast, like, man, I don't even like, like, like when I first heard that, I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess that could be okay. It's kind of like a modern day, like, amazing friends almost, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Ben, I thought Bendis handled that pretty well in the actual Ultimate Spider-Man comic when when he had, like, Iceman and the Human Torch living with them and stuff. So I was like, okay, so this could kind of work, but, like, man, yeah, like, they... They're all like unlikable. Like I don't like Iron. I call Iron Fist the walking fortune cookie because like <laughs> all he all he does is like say stupid like yeah like Mr. Miyagi shit like all the time. A tornado becomes a gentle breeze only as temperatures cool down. He does that. Luke Cage doesn't seem to have a personality, really, other than, you know, I'm Luke Cage, and that's it, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, White Tiger's the usual, you know, like, she's the, what do you call, uh, I, I'm the girl, so I have to be the smart one. And, you know, and, like, bitch at all of you guys for being irresponsible, even though I'm just as irresponsible as all you guys. And then, yeah, no. It's like, it's like, I can't believe you're irresponsible. Let's all go be irresponsible while I responsibly do my algebra homework, even though we're, like, crossing country borders to go, like, fight Dr. Doom in, <laughs> yeah. in his own nation and, you know, like, whatever they're, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. like, like you said, Nova's a fucking, like, dickweed, <laughs> pretty much, so, I Well, mean... see, that, that, I feel bad for, like, you know, somebody like Brian, who, you know, is a big fan of Nova, and then, you know, we talk to him, and, you know, he's kind of, we're kind of like, have you seen Ultimate Spider-Man? And he's like, no, and you're like, oh, but, you know, w- what's the selling point? Your favorite character, Nova's in it, but... It's not Nova because it's not yeah. Richard Ryder. We have and, to, oh, we have to even sh- if it's not Nova, he's a total dickweed. We have to like. shield Brian's tender eyes from this abomination. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, I don't yeah, I I don't know. I you know you feel bad, but I mean, I think that that would extend to like who like say somebody's a big fan of like you know John Burns Iron Fist or or somebody likes Power Man and Iron Fist you know and likes both those characters. It, it's odd to me that they're inseparable somehow even in this 
you know, these two characters. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Danny Rand in the comics is not some, you know, walking, talking, spouting, fortune cookie Zen surfer. It's like it's like I remember when I when I showed my buddy X Men Evolution and his favorite character is Havoc, and then Havoc was like the young surfer dude. He just couldn't. He was stand he it. was Matt Hill, dude. Because yeah, exactly. Because he was like he's like that's you know that's his favorite character, but but they had turned Havoc into this like surfer dude, and it kind of feels like to me like. Like, Iron Fist is almost the same way. He's like a zen surfer, like, where he's like, Dude, the fortune of the teller is the cookie, but the dough is not meaty. You know, and you're just like, <laughs> what? Like, you know, I, I, yeah, I, you, you're kind of, like, at a loss for what what he's trying to, like, what what does, what do those characters help Spider-Man accomplish exactly? And, like, and, and the fact that, like, Justin brought up, like, that in some cases they just proved to be super irrelevant because when you've got, like, say, the episode with the Hulk or Loki or some other stuff where, like, they, they're just not involved in the story at all, like, or when he fights Doc Ock or something, it, like, goes back to, like, a weird default Spider-Man story that, you know, is a little bit more like you what you would expect out of a solo Spider-Man comic book. It, it's just like, well, why aren't they there then? You know, like because they don't they don't move the the story along really. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I find it hilarious that like you know even with the, like the new Nova, the, well, it's obviously the same guy that they're introducing into the actual comics. But they're like, you know, why didn't we use like Richard Ryder? Well, we wanted to like honor him, like how, what Abnett and Lanning, like how they ended his story. And I'm like, you're honoring him by like replacing him with the douchebag. You know what the. <laughs> Even Sam's got to admit chasing him would be insane. So now I just sit back and let logic work its sweet magic. Last one to let Barry on series I match. Well, well, you know, in in uh, at least I mean uh, I will go to bat so far from what I've read in the in the six one six comics that as far as I can tell he does not seem like a douchebag in those comics. So <laughs> if that is indeed uh, Sam in the comics, maybe that's a better tribute to to Jeff Loeb's son than this cartoon, but I imagine the cartoon's going to be seen by tons more people than than the comics, so, you know, in in a more calm, less angrier voice, I have to again question, what are you thinking? Like, that seems like a poor tribute to someone that obviously he does really care about. I should say, uh, I guess it's fortunate, at least, that, like, you know, you've got, like, in the next half hour you've got avengers like earth's mightiest heroes and like a more faithful version of luke cage and iron fist that show up in a couple episodes so that's pretty good at least i was gonna ask you guys were there any episodes that you actually like genuinely enjoyed from beginning to end because there's like there's several episodes that i really like you know despite all my my you know nerd rage or whatever you want to call it i I think I found myself sitting there humming, you know, I'm Spider-Man, you know, because, like, I, I kind of yucked it up at the musical episode. And then I also kind of appreciated the fact in the musical episode that Flash Thompson, again, kind of like the the, uh, the recent Amazing Spider-Man movie, he's not, you know, completely stagnant, where you actually get to see him sort of, you know, have some, you know, as, as much as can be allowed in, in the limitations of, what I think is a self-imposed edict from either the show's producers or, you know, the the network or the creators or whatever. 
you know, it seems like Loeb kind of came out and said, oh, you know, you can watch episode 23 or you can watch episode three and you're not in the dark. You know, there's no big, huge storyline to follow through. So basically kind of saying it's not like sequential anime. It's not like Exosquad. It's not like Deep Space Nine. It's not like Angel. It's not like a Whedon story. You know, basically them trying to say you can pick this show up any old time. But you know what I think they forget is that also means you can drop the show at a drop yeah. of a fucking hat. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I can watch one episode that pisses me off and then say, you know what? Fuck you, Loeb. Fuck Ultimate Spider-Man TV show. Like this pissed me off. And you know what? I I'm not in the dark about any ongoing awesome plot or whatever. Oh, you know? I should, and then, like my my counter argument to that is always like how I got into comics in the first place, which is you read like a random issue and you say, "Oh, whoa, what's that?" Like I got to find out about this. Like what issues do I have to yeah. go and buy and you know yeah. get this or you know what episodes do I have to go and watch to like you know get caught up on this? You know, so yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And in and, and, and today's day and age, I mean, I don't I don't think there's any excuse. I think it's fairly easy to do that. Whereas maybe when when you were a kid, it was a little different. And when when I was a kid, it was a little different, you know, because maybe it was a little harder to find the back issues or, you know, DVDs, you know, rentals. You know, it wasn't as easy to, you know, get all 50 episodes of a show or to get them on iTunes or to watch it on the PS3 or, yeah. you know, I mean, now we've just got all these different means of, of, of I guess, satiating that curiosity of, oh, how did Buffy and Angel meet? You know, I never knew what, you know, it's like, you know, you, you can go back and watch that first season or, you know, whatever, whatever burning questions you have that you feel like you're in the dark about, you know, it, it, all that it is, is you just, you know, if you have the interest, you know, you need to invest some of the time and then yeah. that's, that's all it takes. Right. So, I mean, like when I was a kid and I'm reading X-Men for like the first time, Stuff like, you know, they mentioned like Madeline Pryor or like, you know, uh, The Phoenix or some other old storyline. I'm like, I'm not like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm dropping this. I'm like, I'm more interested. I'm like, well, how do I find out who Madeline Pryor is? Like, what what is this Phoenix thing they keep talking about? Like, I was interested, so I would try and go back and find any old issue I could. Like, I, you know, and like you said you know, people today, kids today or whatever, like, they have so many more outlets to, like, find out, like, if they're interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, what what about you, Mike? I mean, just going back to Justin's original question for Ultimate Spider-Man, I mean, is there is there an episode that maybe stands out to you that, that you enjoyed, you know, from the run so far or anything? I mean, I, I think I, I'd kind of go to bat for the musical episode myself, so. There are, it's more like there are moments that I'm like, oh, ha, ha that's good. Like, they fully realize the potential of what that could do, but, you know, a single episode, I don't know if I could actually do that, like... I guess I got some, like, you know, silly pleasure out of the Wolverine and Spider-Man, like, brain switch okay. episode. But, <laughs> yeah, but, I like the that Freaky one. Friday. Yeah, kind of but I'm like, you know what, this was kind of done better in the actual comic. And, you know, okay. like, it's I guess it's all a, a case of, like, wasted potential with me. Like, you know, you, you'd think making fun of the Spider-Man musical would be, like, a area, like, really ripe for, like, parody if they would just go for it, but they didn't. Like, they just kind of, it was kind of milk toast to me, you know? And I realized part of that is because, like, they can't, like, mock, mock their own, like, you know, product or Property, whatever. Property, yeah. But, you know, some, I, I, somehow I feel like, you know, 
uh, I get, like Justin earlier said, it's like it's sort of like the 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 uh, Marvel version of like Brave and the Bold, but like I would go like sort of and say like it's like the milk toast half-assed version of like Brave and the Bold for Marvel, pretty much. Well, you know, you know what it would be like. Like, remember the episode of Brave and the Bold when they first introduced the Outsiders and they tried to make Katana like a little schoolgirl in the schoolgirl outfit and then Metamorpho kind of looked dumpy and weird and then Black Lightning was all static looking and he had the hood on and he was supposed to be all edgy and street and hip. Like, imagine if every episode of Brave and the Bold was like yeah. that. And it was just those three Outsiders and they never fixed their outfits like they did in the later installments to sort of reflect how they originally looked and like you know then every once in a while those guys would totally disappear and it'd be like some episode about batman and you know and the uh the joker was making penguin like make him sandwiches and go fight batman and stuff you know like that's basically like what ultimate spider-man is you know like kind of i mean you know yeah, I, you know, I kind of yeah. like. Yeah, I just kind of feel like it's a like a lot of things are wastes of potential and stuff. Like I was looking forward to the episode where the Beatles showed up, but like because I was like I, the the title of the episode was Beatlemania, and I was like, ah, that's pretty funny. And like I was hoping that maybe you know they'd use like all the Beatle armors and stuff, and they did like have a like a really quick like cameo of all the Beatle armors, but other than that, it was just like a a straightforward you know let's spend like you know 15 up 15 minutes making jokes and trying to fight the beetle pretty much you know yeah, yeah. So, and i was like they didn't go like beyond that like they didn't go that extra mile i am the man i wonder what nickel say you are the most amazing hero i have ever seen truly the ultimate and way better than nova here's a brand new spider buggy Yeah, a new spider buggy! Woohoo! Wait, do I even want a spider buggy? There's no episode I can look to and say, like, I liked that whole episode, like, you know, like, the, the good about... outweighed the bad, basically. Okay. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own kind of take on things. Um, but, I mean, since you brought up the question, Justin, I mean, are there some episodes that you want to sort of go to bat for where you're like, hey, I like this episode from beginning to end, or or was that just sort of an open-ended question? Um, no, there are three episodes I'll go to bat for. Um, Field Trip, the one where Thor becomes, you know, Froggy Thor and Spider-Man okay. has to, like, okay. you know, help him out with Loki. Like, I like that one. I like its follow-up episode, um... Run Pig Run, where Spider-Man is turning to Spider-Ham. Like I thought that was a pretty funny episode, and you know, kind of like you, I like the musical ex- uh, musical es- episode. I am Spider-Man. Like I thought that one was a lot of fun, but you know, there's some other ones that are like kind of okay, and then they just kind of like turn into like something you just don't like. Then there's other ones I just don't like at all, like the one with Captain America where Spider-Man loses his shield. Big ups to my boy, Spider-Man, for making all my dreams come true. I don't want to be Doom's boy. Well, you see, that that's another thing, kind of like the Nick Fury episode, where the, the book ends, the beginning and the end of the episode basically display that not only did Spider-Man not learn a life lesson, but, like, no fucking character learned a life lesson. Yeah. Like, it pretty much goes instantly reset 
and 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 it's like instantly reset in such a negative way. I mean, how can you you start the episode with "Whoops, I lost the shield," and you end the episode with "Whoops, we lost the shield again. Here we go again." <laughs> and you know, sorry, spoilers, but that's how it begins and that's how it ends. Basically, you're stuck in the same fucking spot you were at the end as you were in the beginning. So you feel like there's no growth, there's no journey, you know, and and kind of the same thing of of you know, I won't listen to you, Nick Fury. You don't know what you're talking about. And then they go through this whole life change thing where he thinks Nick Fury's dead and he thinks it's the end of the world and by the end of it it's like gee maybe I will listen to you Nick Fury but you know what not today <laughs> Web shoots. let's go spy team you know and he's like already off doing whatever the fuck he wants to do and you're just kind of like I, I think it's one of those things where you know I, I think like I, I was excited about Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Young Justice and everything, and I kind of woke up early to watch all these shows. And, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, also happened to be in that kind of similar time block where I was waking up early and, you know, kind of, you know, just watching the shows live as they came on and stuff. And I even watched the show with my dad for a little bit, and, you know, he didn't really pay attention that much, but he just kind of turned to me and said, yeah, this is kind of juvenile. You know, like, like, and, and, and I kind of went, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Cause it just seems like it's, it's targeted to a very specific age range. You know, it probably, if somebody's like 12 or 10 or, you know, I don't know, whoever appreciates family guy humor or whatever, you know, like, I guess maybe this is, this is your deal, you know, I kinda, but I, kinda, I, I know it's not me. I kind of feel like it's a chore to watch now. Well, you, you, you feel it's one of those things like, oh, I'm a comic fan. I make videos about comic book stuff, so I should watch this. I have to watch this, you know, type thing. And for you, maybe you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm a fan of Spider-Man, and I feel kind of obligated to watch this, but it's not... It's not like the highlight of my, my viewing morning or whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're like, oh, boy, Young Justice is on. This is the highlight of my viewing morning. And, oh, oh yeah, I guess I should watch this. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Show, <laughs> See, even know? though I'll like, go to bat for the show a little bit, like when we, was, when we decided to like bump up this topic, I was like, oh, man, I got like ten episodes to catch up on. <laughs> and I watched them all like pretty much back to back, and it, like, it was – you know, just watching like four episodes in a row was too much because they were not very good episodes. And I was like, man, I feel like my brain cells are dying. And then like, <laughs> and then like the Spider Pig episode or the Spider Ham episode came up, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. And it kind of renewed me a little bit. And then I watched like three or four more bad episodes in a row. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I guess I guess that's kind of a brief excerpt of kind of how us at Fanholes uh, you know feel about Ultimate Spider-Man. I mean I guess it's up to everybody else to kind of make up their own minds, you know, watch it yourselves and kind of determine whether it's kind of something that you want to keep watching, whether you feel obligated to watch it like some of us or, you know, even though you don't care for it too much or whether you're just like, "Hey, you guys are stupid, you should stop watching the show if you don't like it." <laughs> you know, whatever whatever the the, the thought process is there. Ugh, I'll get it. Here we go again! But uh, we're going to move on just to uh, to the other topic that we had wanted to broach, you know, a little more current event type comic topic, which was on the, uh, you know, the new uh, Marvel Now, you know, their new initiative to sort of, I guess, combat the whole 
you know, DC New 52, I, I would say, you know, and, and in particular, you know, all of us have read Uncanny Avengers number one. So like I said, uh, you know, if you not not only spoilers for Uncanny Avengers number one, but I think I, I, I'm I'm. You know, I wouldn't, you know, my guess is that that this will delve into some spoilers, just as the first issue of Uncanny Avengers does, into the outcome of Avengers versus X-Men. So, like I said, if you're waiting on the trade or, you know, you, you're not, you know, you don't want too much spoiled about the outcome, the, the resolution of that particular miniseries, this, this may be a time for you to either, you know, turn off the show or, you know, Tuck it away and, and maybe save it for a couple of months from now when you uh, when you read all the, uh, the issues and stuff. So like basically, well, I guess it's not all the Marvel comics, but a good deal of Marvel comics that are tagged with this Marvel now, you know, I guess tagline or whatever are, are going to be brand new series. So a lot like the DC New Fifty Two, we're going to have a lot of number one issues out there on the market to, uh, I guess, soak up people's dollars and, and get people interested and supposedly give them a quote unquote jumping on point so they feel like they they haven't missed anything. And so like like we said, you you know you got Uncanny Avengers number one, but also you know you're going to have stuff like the all new X Men, which you know I guess the the original X Men have, uh, you know, the OG X-Men, as I like to call them, the, the original five, you know, Cyclops, Iceman, Marvel Girl, Angel, and Beast have been plucked out of the past, you know, and, and are set in the present day. So I guess the idea is, you know, they're going to be looking at the present day versions of themselves and current events and kind of going, oh my fucking God, what the fuck <laughs> did you guys do? You know, and that kind of thing. Except Iceman, uh-huh. he's going to be like, I'm still cool. <laughs> yeah, Iceman's gonna be like, I look sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I guess that's the basic concept for that title, you know. But also, you're gonna have you know a plus X, which I guess is uh, you know a, a sort of a follow up to Avengers versus X Men. But I guess in that comic, you're gonna have different team ups between. Avengers and X-Men and who knows, maybe Wolverine will fucking team up with himself, the fucking prick asshole. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe crazy stuff will happen, but who knows? Um, you know, and, and you know, obviously, you know, we're going to have two new Avengers titles. We're going to have a new Captain America that's starting over from number one, which is kind of confusing because just like Hulk, you know, it's like a new Hulk number one and a new Captain America number one within a year. So that's going to be, you know, kind of confusing, but okay. Um, you know, new Deadpool, we, we kind of already broached, like, the new Fantastic Four stuff. You know, you've got the, the you know, Bendis is, or Bendis, I'm sorry, Mark Bagley they've is what I They've gotten to, to you. Yeah, I know, they've gotten to me. Uh, Mark Bagley, uh, I guess, you know, probably ended his uh, contract with DC, and now he's back at Marvel uh, doing uh, the first issue of this new Fantastic Four that's getting ready to come out. And then you got Mike Alred doing the FF which is, you know, I know it's been talked about on our show. Um, you know, we've mentioned uh, Thing Girl and all this other kind of stuff that's going on in that. Um, you know, Indestructible Hulk, number one. So I guess it's a little different from Incredible Hulk, number one. But still, it's a, it's a restart. You know, another Iron Man, number one. Thor, number one. And then the, the one that I think is kind of strange, which I, I'm wondering how well it'll sell. Like, it feels like it's the voodoo of Marvel now to me. But since it's got X-Men in the title, maybe it'll sell tons better than Voodoo. But X-Men Legacy, which features Chuck Xavier's son, 
Legion, which seems like an odd choice to me, but, you know, you've got an ongoing series about Legion. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about that other than, like, I guess Legion is the original Crazy Jane, maybe, or something. I don't know, but, you know, I, I, I just, I never found that particular character uh, quite as interesting as Crazy Jane, but, uh, you know. That's just me. What, what, what do you, I mean, do you guys, what, what do you guys think about all these new titles? And is there, are there titles you're interested in and looking forward to? I'm, I'm kind of super underwhelmed by everything that's been revealed so far. It's like, it's kind of like the perfect storm of stuff that I wouldn't be interested in almost. It's like, you know, they're like, oh, great. I'm like, oh, great. A new Thunderbolts number one. And then I'm like, oh, Daniel Way's writing it. And oh, Steve Dillon's drawing it. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, uh, it's not your cup of tea. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, I know you got, like, you said you like Steve Dillon, and uh, yeah, I know, I I know I he, has, he definitely has his fans, but he, I do I not mean, like I mean, I, I like stuff like Preacher and his work on Punisher and stuff like that, but I mean, I could understand if you're a fan of, like, I, I think I could understand the O factor, especially when it comes to superheroes. I mean, I don't necessarily think of Steve Dillon as, like, the superhero guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. Thunderbolts, you know, is kind of, you know, it, it's hero. Yeah, it seems know? like, yeah, I don't know. The only book that I'm really, I think I'm going to, well, the only book that I know I'm definitely picking up is Secret Avengers, and that's only because I like the team layout. Like, it's still got Hawkeye and Black Widow and Mockingbird and Taskmaster is going to be there and Winter Soldier and like and I'm like oh that's a pretty cool like team makeup but still like I, Nick Spencer's right in it and then like I like I've never been overly thrilled with anything I've read of his so it's like you know but I'm like okay well I'll give it a shot because like I like a lot of the characters on the team but maybe maybe Winter Soldier and Hawkeye will beat the crap out of each other over Black Widow finally. <laughs> and Mockingbird yeah. can like join in for no reason too. Mockingbird can keep giving Black Widow the stink eye, as Bendis says. Yes, exactly. Well, the thing I just read an article about it, and I was kind of like, kind of like, because like. Nick Spencer was, like, saying, like, you know, finally, you know, Mockingbird's going to get back to being a spy and stuff. And I'm like, she did already get back to being a spy, like, in her own, you know, in the Hawkeye and Mockingbird series that apparently no one read. So, you know, okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so I guess they're going to pat themselves on the back for an original idea that's already been done. Like, she has her own little, like, private spy organization and stuff that, like, you know, she set up and she works, like, when she's not being an Avenger and stuff, but apparently, what the only thing that counts, I guess, is like Bendis having her in his Avengers books or whatever. But what about you, Justin? I mean, is there anything that you're looking at where you're like, "Ooh, this looks interesting," or "I'm excited about this"? I'm really looking forward to Hickman taking over Avengers. So I guess he's writing Avengers and New Avengers. So I'm looking forward to those. I guess the only other thing that's really like jumps out at me, and I'm like, I'm going to buy that is Indestructible Hulk, because it's Mark Wade. Jason Aaron's run on Hulk, like, it started out really good, and, you know, I, I praised it on Van Holes. Like, the first three issues were really good, and then after that, it was just, like, this continual slide into, like, mediocrity, and then just, like, I don't know what's going on anymore. And it became, like, this book, I'm just, like, I don't want to read this anymore, but I want to, like finish it out because there's only like a few issues left till it reboots but i'm a big fan of mark wade i love his run on daredevil so i'm really looking forward to what he's gonna do with the hulk and then there's like other odd books like savage wolverine 
where you've got like Wolverine teaming up with uh, Shanna the She-Devil in the Savage Land, which I don't like Wolverine at all. We've talked about this in the past. I'll read it just because Shanna's in it and because I like the artwork on it. It's going to be Greg Cho, and he did a previous uh, Shanna the She-Devil series that was really good. So I'll read it for that factor. And then once Shanna ever leaves the book, I'll probably drop it because I don't care about Wolverine. It seems weird, like like it was. It seems like a book that could have been a Shanna the She Devil book or a Kazar and Shanna book, but then they had to like throw Wolverine into yeah. it. And, yeah. and if you read, you know, like I, I read the write up about how he she's the Marion Ravenwood to Wolverine's Indiana Jones. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I was wait. like, that sounds I'm like, terrible. Like, <laughs> like, well, but it's just like you're like, wait a minute, like. Okay, like Shanna is like Kazar's woman, right? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. Heaven forbid, uh, you know, all our zero female listeners are getting mad at me for describing Shanna as uh, as someone's woman or whatever. But you know what I mean, right? Like, like it, it just seems like like strange, you know, where you're like, oh, you know what? I I don't think I I care too much if uh, you know Wolverine got Cable sloppy seconds with Domino or something like that. But you know, like it's kind of like some of these characters, you're kind of like, come on, dude. Like you know, it'd be like saying like, oh yes, and uh, Lois Lane is Wolverine's Marion Ravenwood. <laughs> like she used to bang Wolverine before uh, Lois went out with Superman, and you're just kind of like, um, no, no. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know, that's that's kind of how my, my immediate gut reaction to it, even though I could see why, you know, uh, Frank Cho doing a Jungle book and another book with Shauna, like, I'm sure the art will be, uh, you know, spentabulous and, and awesome and everything like that. But, I mean, as far as the plot and substance and, and the sort of anchor sales-wise of using Wolverine to sort of sell that book to the layman, I, I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm just kind of like, it just seems like a, a marketing tool you know more than anything else. You know, you know what book I'm trying I'm starting to convince myself to try will will, will be a uh, superior Spider-Man cuz okay. my, my lo- No, well my logic is like, well, you know what? I don't like how Dan Slott writes Peter Parker, but this guy is not going to be Peter Parker apparently. So it's like I could care. <laughs> well, you know, he's got he's got toe claws. <laughs> yeah. so. It's like yeah. It's like a, it's almost like a, well, I don't care if he fucks up another character. So, you know, maybe I'll 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 be more forgiving of that. But, you know, you know I guess yeah, we'll see. Know, I mean, I, I guess you can't write toe claw Spider-Man incorrectly cuz no one's done it yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I was like maybe I'll give and it's Brian Stegman on art, who and I like Brian mentioned. Uh, well, I don't know. Brian mentioned in the future, you know, that he did such a good job on like Scarlet Spider and stuff that like, and I really enjoyed his work there too. So, you know, that's sort of a selling point with me as well. Now, uh, I mean, I, I know I, I briefly uh, uh, did an oh no about it in the sidecast, but uh, do we do we want to talk any dismay about? Uh, uh, Avengers Arena, seeing as how we're all kind of big fans of Avengers Academy. Like, I, you know, personally, I'm not looking forward to, like, you know, somebody like I like, like Hazmat, getting uh, summarily executed in some book, even if she gets wonderful character development for, like, five panels before it happens. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm very cold about that, yeah. yeah. To the, it's, it's the same thing, like, you know... 
people have been like complaining or like I guess you know Marvel always gets like you know things like you know bring the Runaways back and stuff. And it's kind of like well here's the Runaways we're gonna put them in a death match against each other you know. <laughs> yeah. Now thank yeah. us you know fans you know, <laughs> praise us. We- we we've listened to your pleas of mercy, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it not not looking very promising at all. Like I guess I, uh, it's reptile, uh, metal, and hazmat, and I guess like X twenty three are all in that book. So, you know, you know X twenty three is probably gonna make it through, but you know it's less likely about everyone else. Given that that you know I I kind of. Uh, you know, exposed myself to some battle royale, not the manga so much, but I did watch the live action film. And, uh, you know, if, if anything similar to that happens to some of those characters that I'm actually fond of, uh, I think it would be kind of disappointing. You know, I, I, I don't view the Avengers Academy like some people do as like the global guardians or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't think they're kind of like Mort's where I kind of yuck it up at their deaths. I mean, I'm sure there's some characters where, like I say, you know, uh, 90s fate getting stabbed in the back, like, that kind of makes me laugh. But, you know, I, I, I would not uh, laugh about, you know, uh, you know, hazmat or metal, you know, guys like that, that I kind of enjoy their, you know, their relationship and their character. You know, I, I wouldn't enjoy watching them get uh, fragged or whatever, you know. It's I don't know yeah it seems kind of like a cynical and lazy kind of I don't know like you know kids like the Hunger Games today so you know we gotta do like cop a feel off that you know pretty much so it's well I mean and also it's kind of a bleak outlook on on you know the future for young people even in the realm of entertainment I mean you know it's just like what this is what you're telling kids they they have to look forward to is to uh be you know competitive to the death with other fucking stupid ass kids like i yeah i don't know it just seems like you know a little bit much you know so yeah well i guess the best thing that it's like i i've been saying like the best thing about marvel now is it's shaving a lot of like fat out of my uh my comic book budget, pretty much. Or, well, not, I shouldn't <laughs> well, even say, like, like fat. Like, but that's what they forget. Like, just because it's a good jumping-on point, you know, I guess it may be a good jumping-off point for Michael here. You know, he may be yeah. getting out of some of the Marvel games. Well, this is this will be the first Thunderbolts book, like, aside from those, like, god-awful, like, Fight Club issues, like, way back when, when they tried to reboot it before, that I won't be buying, so... You know, that's that's got to say something. I mean, and I even, like, 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 I like Flash Thompson Venom, and I like Deadpool. I just don't like Daniel Way's Deadpool. And, you know, just Flash alone is not enough to get me to buy that book. Yeah, ironically, you know, just because cause I've always had a love for the old school, the OG X-Men, as I call them, uh, I I may, you know, I know it's probably brutal self-punishment, but I, 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 I was like, God, the only title I kind of want to read is the stupid fucking Bendis. Title. Yeah, I was saying that's like that actually uh, sounds kind of you know like because yeah. like, I I I like you know I've I mean I've always liked them like X Factor and stuff. I know I know that's not a popular uh, opinion. You know, uh, no, I'll, I'll back you up. I mean, if it's part. whether it's uh, you know X Men First Class comic or Professor Xavier and the X Men or X Men the Hidden Years, like I like Hidden the OG X Men too. Yeah, yeah, I like the Hidden Years. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, you know, uh, well, I guess on, on a weird note, I'd just like to say that that 
I'm not so sure about. I, I was kind of looking at Captain America, and I don't know what to think. Like I, I usually like kind of treat Captain America comics like Superman comics, even when I don't like the runs. I still like to, you know, keep up with those characters regardless of of what's going on, you know. But like for me, Remender has been kind of. I, I don't know how to describe. I, I know we're going to be talking about Uncanny Avengers in a moment, and he's the writer on that title. I feel like the conclusion I've come to with Rick Remender is I, I kind of see him as, to me, in terms of quality, like, it kind of reminds me of Dan Jurgens. Like, I don't hate the guy's work. I don't have any problems with it. But I'm just not really enthused or excited about it. And as far as his tricks and tropes and things he likes to do and repeat, I think I finally understand people who uh, kind of dislike Jeff Johns, like if that makes any sense. Like, like I kind of feel like he's the Jeff Johns of Marvel, where he's got that trope of, hey, I'm going to make all the evil doubles of people. Yeah. Bam! You know, and it's like, okay, you've done this like seven times. I get it, you know, like... Like, you know, or, or whatever it is. Or the, you know? the so counter-team, basically. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to... Here, here's my anti-team to your team, you know, or whatever. And and it seems like he does have, like, specific tropes that he likes to do. And uh, and, and I guess I just finally... It kind of dawned on me. I go, oh, this must be what these people who, uh, who you know, vehemently dislike Jeff Johns, you know, feel when... Uh, you know, because I'm like, I'm kind of noticing it with Remender, where I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, like, I, I remember this issue of X-Force, and I remember when you wrote it in this issue of, you know, uh, uh, Secret Avengers, and now, you know, I'm like, I wonder if there's going to be, uh, I wonder if Protocide's going to make a big comeback in Captain America now, or whatever. Like, who knows? But, uh, yeah. But uh, I guess I, I, I just want to segue, since we were talking about Remender, is uh, let, let's talk about the first new release of uh, Marvel now and what we thought about it. Um, you know, uh, Uncanny Avengers um, is, is written by Rick Remender, and then it's got art from John Cassidy, um, who I guess people would know best from, you know, stuff like Captain America and from Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, you know, stuff like that. It basically kind of picks up where the conclusion of Avengers versus X Men left off. You know, I guess Cap's running around trying to rip a, a new team that, that's sort of he's trying to build a team based of uh, you know Avengers and, and X Men. I guess you'd say you know. So he's kind of looking to a bunch of different people, and of course, uh, you know, my good buddy who I mentioned who likes Havoc, who was disheartened with the Surfer thing. I, I was just chatting with him recently, and I said, well, you know, you'll be happy to know that, you know, Cap recruited Havoc as the leader of this uncanny Avengers team, so, you know, there's at least that for, for fans of Havoc, I'd say. But that that's still weird to me that Cap is going to be taking orders from Havoc. I mean, I like Havoc, but... It's still that's just weird for me. But is I mean I know I know on the I guess I guess what Justin's referring to is on the cover you see you know Captain, Captain America and Wolverine as you know he's Wolverine's the uncanny and Cap is the Avenger and then you've got like you know Rogue and Scarlet Witch and you know Rogue is the uncanny and you know uh, Scarlet Witch is the Avenger and then you've got Havoc and Thor and Havoc is the uncanny and Thor is the Avenger but. 
you know, when I was talking to him, my friend was like, so, so Captain America's, you know, he was like, oh, that's a pretty cool lineup. Like, so Cap's leading that team. And to me, I kind of just thought Cap was recruiting Havoc to lead the team. But I, I never even thought of, to me, I was kind of like, I don't think Wolverine and Cap are really going to be on that team. Do you? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just kind of thought they were there because in that introductory issue, they were focusing on six particular characters. But I didn't, I didn't feel like they were a team, but well, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I hope Wolverine won't be on the team. <laughs> I, I just kind of thought they were there because it was important for them to be there uh, per the storyline. I, I didn't think that that would necessarily... I mean, you would think Havoc would have a, a say in building his own team, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I guess from all the press and stuff, I've kind of twigged to the idea that those six are the initial team, and then, like, they'll add in more people later, but, like, I guess, yeah, the, the first issue kind of gave that impression, yeah, though, that, like, you know, Cap is like, I'm, I need Havoc, you you have to be, like, the centerpiece of this team or whatever, so. Yeah, he, he wants him to be, like, the new face of uh, human-mutant relations, I guess, since, uh, you know, and here we come with the spoilers, but since Professor X is deader than a fucking doorknob, and Cyclops is uh, locked away like he's uh, Onslaught Jones or whatever, you know. And, and I guess Wolverine is too dirty to be the face of human mutant relations, according to uh, Captain America. Even though he's uh, he's supposedly, you know, running uh, the Jean Grey school and all this other stuff. So yeah, it's, it really seems like they can't decide with that. You know, it's like the Wolverine's like torn in two different directions, and like they can't really say he's either really which is why i don't think that works really that much you know well i yeah. mean how wolverine shouldn't be able to take you know like the high moral high ground when he you know well but but see that i think that's the inherent problem with with comics like this you know or or even the avengers versus x-men because you know wolverine's the only one who gets to kill anybody it's like, but why do you get to take the moral high ground and everybody else doesn't? It's because what they did was, quote-unquote, evil or bad, but Wolverine's doing it for, quote-unquote, a good reason. And it's like, it gets very, very murky, you know? Like, and, and you know, like, like the, I, I told Justin before the show started, like, he, he may get upset with me because I'm going to say some, some crappy shit about Scarlet Witch, but I, I don't know that it's so much Scarlet Witch's fault as it is... Um, you know, maybe the writer, or the maybe the the perspective of the writer, or maybe him putting words in characters' mouths. But you know, I, I can't tell you how much it pissed me off. And I hadn't even read Avengers versus X Men, but uh, you know, Scarlet Witch basically, you know, I think Rogue basically says, you know, you 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 wiped out all these mutants, and uh, you know, you were the cause of that. You know, you said no more mutants. And, you know, we were going to be extinct, like, and there were barely any of us left. And her response to that was, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but she's like, what would be, what would be so bad about only like 198 mutants left? And I'm like, that's the most clueless, insensitive, stupid fucking thing I've ever heard come out of somebody's fucking mouth. Like, and she's supposed to be a mutant as well like i don't know man it, it just seemed like so i don't know like like it, it just didn't make any sense to me it's like it's like basically saying you know oh dude you know so, so what if uh 
if there's only, uh, you know, uh, uh, five whales left in existence. What's so bad about that? At least there's five whales. Yeah. You know, like, it just, it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't compute to me. You know, like, and, and it just seemed like so insensitive, and 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 it really made me definitely side with Rogue, regardless of, you know, what was going on during that issue. I know they kind of got into a bit of a, a heated argument, and it kind of turned. She, uh, but what she said, Derek, was, "Why is it so important more mutants be born?" Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it, I guess I guess if that's the exact quote, it's kind of like saying, "Dude, what what's the big deal if if you don't have any more kids after you've uh, you know, maybe just, you know, had a miscarriage." You know, like like that's what the vibe I got from it where it just seemed like so insensitive, you know, like so, you know, like like, you know, who, you know, who cares? Like, you know, it, it's not so bad, you know, like I don't know. I I I, I just yeah. It, that that whole thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The ending of that issue really turned me off. Like, well, it, yeah, it, no, no, fuck it. Like, we we said there's going to be spoilers in this. So again, you know, if you're listening to this, turn it off now if you don't want to know what happens at the end of Uncanny Avengers number one. But uh, you know, Red Skull plops out uh, fucking Professor X's fucking brain from his skull, and I guess is going to use it to do mental zonkers on people. It kind of reminded me of like the you know the Joker's face being skinned off yeah. and like hung on the wall like you know like a sort of like holy shit you know image or something. But I just kind of found it kind of gross. Like I was like I don't yeah, know. I, I, my my kind of response to that was was like Jesus. Like why you know okay you know like <laughs> well because they start out with a, a guy's eyeball and it's you know in this clockwork orange style where it's being you know pride you know held open by you know mechanical apparatuses and you don't really know what's going on and and the red skull or i guess this this is another thing i was going to broach is why do i know that's the clone of the red skull because of solicitations or some shit but it's not is is it ever written in the actual issue that that's the clone like you're just supposed to know because he's wearing his old school nazi get up or i i don't i get i get yeah like well like uh, initial press or like solicitations for like that series like said that like yeah this is a I guess Remender said in some interviews like this is a like pure Red Skull because it's like you know it's a clone that was like frozen during World War Two or something that just like woke up and like has taken stock of the world like as it is right now so. Yeah, it just kind of made me grumpy that that didn't really seem like that that he can spend all that time for a press release, but it didn't seem like I don't know. To me, it just it didn't come across as any of that information was imparted in that issue. I mean, maybe it's saved for you know I don't know you know it's being written for the trade, and we'll learn all about that in issue three or something. But it, it just seemed a little off to me, unless I missed it. You know, and no, you guys I, I think you're definitely right. I think it's yeah, just the right. backstory is going to be saved for later. But you know, it's kind of sad that 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 like information comes out like before anything. You know. Yeah, or or just I I just wish like if that was you know the storyline or the case you know it's like well you know you couldn't put that in the actual comic somewhere you know whether it's just a blurb or a write up or I don't know what, but you know, I, I don't know. It just seems odd. Like I was like, why do I know that this is a clone of the red skull when it's never been said in the, I don't know. It, it just seems odd to me that how that, that, that press release works in tandem with the story. But 
it's like, what, so now you have to read fucking press releases and people's Twitters to understand <laughs> the fucking comic book, you know, like, that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, I mean, on, on, a, on a positive note, I mean, I, I like John Cassidy. Like, like, I thought the art was really nice looking. I know, I know uh, you know, having in the past, you know, gone to bat for things like Red Hood and the Outlaws and everybody hating that, you know, Starfire is, you know, super naked and sexy and all that other stuff. I did notice in certain reviews people were complimentary of his costume designs for Rogue and Scarlet Witch because they, you know, quote unquote, did not look, you know, they, they, they were not designed to be overtly sexual, I guess, is, is the... Uh, is the the idea or the praise or whatever, and I, I can't say I can't say that I noticed it one way or the other, but uh, you know I, I I noticed it when it was written in a review. You know what I mean? So I guess Scarlet Witch isn't going to go back to her sexy gypsy bikini thingy. I guess not. I, well, I guess not. <laughs> not while well, not while he's drawing it or whatever. I was kind of noticing like I was like, oh, I missed the lower cut rogue thing, but you know who cares? Like I mean, I that's not why I was you know I wasn't really yeah, titties or anything i i I, 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 i'm more interested in their you know their philosophical yeah i know crazy right i I, uh, I just like this i like john cassidy's art too and i really thought if i could say something positive about the issue i really thought that scene where havoc shot captain america's shield to like launch him off was pretty cool but yeah yeah yeah. cyclops was wrong (laughs) You, you, you you're you're a firm believer in that justin well, we could probably spend like two hours discussing this. And it... Well, I, I think I think eventually we will have a chance to go into this in more depth. In uh, you know, when if we ever you know when we ever talk about Avengers versus X Men, but uh, but I mean that is that is a proponent of the the beginning of the the story, which is why you're sort of spoiled. I mean, it does open with the funeral of Professor X, and they do go to uh, you know at least. Captain America does go to uh, see, uh, you know, Cyclops in uh, in X Jail. See, like you two are bigger Cyclops fans than I. I mean, I like the character, but like, how do you feel about the character now? I mean, it seems like he's just been painted to be the bad guy. I mean, I like Cyclops, but when he shows up in Children's Crusade saying he's going to burn Scarlet Witch, I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of done with you now, even though I like you, and even though I realize you're just being written this way to be the jerk bad guy, like, that, just the fact that he's being written like that kind of makes me grumpy, but, like, what do you guys feel about it? I guess I'm just going to counter it with this. Just because Wolverine's written to be this gregarious headmaster and a great human being doesn't mean I think of him as one. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Like that that's that's gonna be my counter argument to that. Like I don't I don't think it's gonna change my like of Cyclops. I think eventually at some point they're gonna do some kind of Tony Stark fucking mind wipe thing and say the fucking void did this and <laughs> yeah. got up his butt or you know, like a lot of people they wanna blame the Phoenix and all this other stuff. You know, my personal take on it in in the shortest terms is uh, you know, a lot of people sacrifice a lot of stuff, and no matter how much uh, they try to paint Cyclops as the villain and the Avengers as the underdogs, when when the story started, the mutants were the underdogs. I mean, all you got to do is think back to when the Dark Avengers invaded Utopia. Who were the bad guys? Yeah. You know, the Dark Avengers were the bad guys. But now all of a sudden that it's Captain America doing it and that, you know, the Avengers are the good guys now. 
Like, I mean, they're basically doing the same thing, right? Like, they're basically invading sovereign land and, you know, making declarations and all this other shit. I mean, I, I to me, like, I, I just kind of think, like, there's certain instances where, you know, they, they force these characters into uh, points where they have no other choice but to, you know, do these kooky things. And then they go on to do more and more kooky things that are completely out of character. And by the time you look back at it, it's like this huge, awful car wreck, you know, and there's not too much to take away from it. I mean, you know, I could easily write a story where, you know, Wolverine starts out where he semi makes sense in what he's doing. And by the end of it, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, stabbed 40 people in the neck and is totally out to lunch. But (laughs) Is that going to change, like, Wolverine fans' rabid love of the character? I don't think so. I mean, Wolverine was brainwashed by the fucking hand. I mean, anytime I think of past X-Men stories or past Marvel stories, like, I can say, you know, Ben Grimm went crazy, but nobody blamed him. You know, like, like, uh, you know, Wolverine got taken over by the hand and killed fucking... The gay X-Men, like, shouldn't that be, like, grounds for fucking execution in the, you know, the politically correct arena? But, you know what? Wolverine's a good guy, I guess. You know, he's totally awesome. And, 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 I don't like so. the Nor- and, and, and North Star's okay now, so it's all all right. So, like, when Professor X gets brought back to life, you know, it'll be all forgotten, yeah, basically. Yeah, months from now, it'll be all hunky-dory, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's such uh I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little more removed from it. You know, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, just to speak briefly, because I know we'll be talking about AVX eventually, but uh, I think, like, it's it's uh, a tricky thing, and it takes, like, a delicate, like, touch when you write a character, like, on the, like, moral edge line for so long, like, as Cyclops has been for the last, like, you know, five or six years, to not, like, either tip him over and you know i think it, it it they didn't they weren't delicate enough with it basically and like yeah for the last like few months and so they've just been like repeatedly tipping him over that line and now they've kind of ruined it so now it's like going to be a it, he has to climb all the way back over the line and then they're going to dip him back the other way too far and it won't be interesting anymore basically it seems like what they're what they've been doing with Cyclops lately kind of reminds me of like what they started to do with Scarlet Witch when you know she went to crazies and yeah, the yeah, Avengers yeah. disassembled. It's like, oh, you like Scarlet Witch? Well, let's see how much you like her when she's crazy and she kills a bunch of mutants. Oh, you like Cyclops? He's your favorite X Men. Well, let's see how much you like him when he gets the power of the Phoenix and goes batshit insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, and it's funny because Scarlet Witch, of course, is staring you smack dab in the face now having gone uh full circle once again and is now quote unquote one of the good guys you know whereas she was the the scum of the earth and batman wouldn't even talk to her like she was parallax you know what i mean like i mean it was like you know one of these things where oh, you're persona non grata you evil bitch you know and now all of a sudden it's like no no she's one of the team again like she's all good you know so to me i don't know it, it starts getting a little uh yeah. You know, it's got that soap opera-ish I mean, thing of, okay. You're like, well, Children's Crusade, like Wolverine was all about killing Wanda, but now they're going to be on the same team? Like, how, do, how does this conversation happen? Like, but, but, sorry, yeah, but, sorry, but, but to, those kind of those <laughs> uh, 180-degree turns, like, happen within 
that miniseries as well, where you're just kind of like, oh, you know, they're just making this shit up, you know? Like, they got a, a board of shit on the wall, and they're throwing darts at it, and they're like, okay, Wolverine wants to kill Hope. Okay, let's throw another dart. Now Wolverine totally doesn't want to kill Hope, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. That's a, I guess the dart went in a different direction now. Like I was uh, saying, though, it's like Scott Lang, Hawkeye, and Vision are all okay now. So, you know, Scarlet Witch is okay now. And then right, someone's right. got to say, what about Jack of Hearts? And everyone's like, well, I'm what about like, Jack of Hearts? Who? Who's Jack of Hearts? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and then and then on a you know yeah so uh, yeah we, we we don't want to talk about this too much so we'll 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 go into awesome things and stuff but you know just just give in mind uh, you know Marvel now is a new initiative by Marvel Comics there's going to be a lot of new number one issues I'm sure all of a sudden they'll be taking the top ten spots and trying to uh, butt heads with DC oh, who are now on issues uh, you know thirteen and fourteen of their ongoing titles we we tried out the uh, the first new issue of uh, of Uncanny Avengers, and there's going to be a bunch of other new number ones. You know, maybe we'll cover some of those or get into some of those in, in here in the future. But uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, sort of wrap up the podcast with our, our regularly scheduled thing, which is the, the awesome thing of the week. I'll, I'll go ahead and start and then go to the other two guys. Um, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed... The uh, the premiere of Arrow it uh, it aired this uh, Wednesday, and uh, along those lines, uh, DC has a you know their own web comic you know the you know sort of like for the tie-in with Smallville how they have Smallville season eleven they have an ongoing um, you know Arrow comic book and uh, what tickled me pink was that uh, Mike Grell did the art for that and if you don't if you're not as familiar with the character Green Arrow uh, Mike Grell had a long writer artist run on the the title. And it was probably one of my more favorite runs of Green Arrow and everything. He wrote the Longbow Hunters and did the art on that. And so if you enjoy that kind of uh, run on Green Arrow, um, you know, you might dig the uh, the art on the webcomic. I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, I just wanted to say I also enjoyed the uh, the premiere. So, uh, you know, if, if you guys like that kind of thing... Um, you know, superhero type stuff. I mean, he's not as wussied and watered down as the guy on Smallville. You know, he's shooting arrows, and the arrows am killing people. So I, I, I had a good time watching it. I know I was a little hesitant when I saw some of the casting notices, because I saw, you know, Ollie's got a sister and a mother and all this stuff, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? But when I kind of watched the pilot, I realized they're just kind of aping Hamlet. You know, it's it's going to be a very you know, Prince of Denmark type thing, you know, he's coming back, you know, the ghost of his father is kind of haunting him on to, you know, take care of things in the city, you know, not literally his ghost, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of a metaphor and, and, you know, and, and the mother, you know, is very, you know, Gertrude Polonius, you know, Claudius, you know, if you're familiar with Hamlet, like there's parallels to all those characters within that cast. So I look forward to more episodes and uh, I'll just go ahead and ask uh, Justin what his, awesome thing of the week was my awesome thing is uh prometheus was just released on dvd and uh i didn't get to see it in theaters but i did watch it and i thought it was really good you know some people watched it and complained endlessly that it wasn't that good or you know there's too many questions so many questions but uh i thought it was really good for what it was you know obviously they're gonna leave you with questions to lead up to other films um but i really enjoyed it and um that's all I got about Prometheus. 
Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I mean, I, I thought it was quite thought-provoking. I mean, I, I like that article that you sent on uh, yeah. on Bot Talk, where the guy delved into, you know, some of the mythological correlations and religious correlations and kind of what he thought some of the potential answers to the question would be. I mean, I, I think that's the highlight of that movie, is not so much that you sit there and somebody complains like, my questions weren't answered. <laughs> This sucks. It's more like my questions weren't answered. Now I get to discuss it with uh, with Justin and Michael and say, hey, you know, I thought maybe it was this, and you might think maybe it was this and all that other stuff. You know, I, I will say, though, after reading that one article, though, I, I would have been more interested, I think, had they had left some – I think some scenes would have made a bit more sense had they left you know, some of the xenomorph-type stuff in there, yeah. you know? Like, when I read some of those write-ups, I was kind of like, oh, hey, that makes a little more sense, that she was in surgery and she was out for eight hours and it gave the xenomorph time to grow and, you know, like, things like that, where I was like, oh, okay, that, that scene would have made a little more sense to me. But you know what? I mean, that, that's cool. I mean, just like religion and, and ethics and, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, searching throughout her space, you're going to have a bunch of unanswered questions anyway. You know, it, like, I, I think it's kind of naive to think that, that you know, you're going to go to some planet and then, uh, you know, just like in uh, fucking Star Trek V, it's like, it's not like you're going to go to some <laughs> planet and some dude's going to be like, I am God, I will answer all your questions, you know, and then he'd be like, oh, what does God need with the starship? And then he doesn't have the answer, you know, so. Disclaimer. Do not send questions about Prometheus's plot to fan holes. We will not answer those. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mike? What was your uh, What was your awesome thing? I just got a couple of Halo-related things. Um, as of this recording, Halo Four will be released in about three weeks. So, uh, as uh, leading up to that, uh, I got uh, Halo: The Thursday War, which is a novel and uh, the sequel to. Uh, Halo Glasslands, which I think I talked about in a previous uh, awesome thing thing uh, segment from episodes and episodes ago. I don't even know when, but uh, I'm almost done with it. I've got about like 50 pages to go, and uh, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, as as a prequel to Halo 4, it's of dubious merit, like it, you know, because Halo 4 is going to take place on another planet. And all, like, the stuff in the novel takes place, like, on Earth and on, like, you know, the Elite's planet and places that we're already familiar with. So, but, you know, like, I think I said it with, like, when we I talked about the first novel where, you know, um, it's a prequel in the sense that, like, you know... Uh, There'll, there'll there'll be one scene where it's like you know in the in the background look that's Master Chief's ship like flying overhead like that's X Factor's ship like flying in the background or something you know but uh, in in whatever case it's a pretty good story so far and the other thing is uh they they've been doing a like live action Halo web series called Forward Unto Dawn and uh what do you call it it's, it's pretty each episode's between like 15 and 20 minutes long and there've been two so far and they release them every friday and it's been pretty good uh it's it's very high production values it ba it's basically it's telling the story of i guess the ship that like master chief will encounter in halo 4 on on this alien planet that he lands on and then it's it's telling like the cadet the it's the story of the marines who like uh 
were on that ship and like how they like rose up through the ranks and when uh, as their cadets and stuff. It's kind of got a like almost like a Hunger Games vibe to it because it's like a bunch of like kid like teenage cadets and stuff all trying to like survive in military school. And Halo Academy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's actually very well made, and uh, I was very impressed by the first two episodes, so I'm enjoying that. So. Yeah. Cool, cool. Maybe they'll they'll collect it eventually, like that one Mortal Kombat web series. That would series, be nice, yeah. You could pick it up on a Blu-ray or, or DVD or something like that. Yeah, that would definitely be nice. Cool. All right. So, uh, so yeah, uh, basically, you know, keep listening to Fan Holes Podcast. If you got any comments or questions or what have you, you know, you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we always have new content at least once a week on the blog spot, whether it's, uh, you know, written blogs, sidecasts, podcasts, and what have you, top ten lists, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so keep listening, and uh, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Cyclops was right. Uh, peace and prosper and war and famine and, yeah. You don't have to ask a man behind this mask We'll answer, answer every call I'm here to save you all I'm Spider-Man, I Spider-Am I am Spider-Man I'm Spider-Man, evildoer And you just got bit File, file Boil in trouble Who's the fairest file of them all? <laughs> okay, let's see. That almost made sense.